And now, the time fight fans all across the globe have been waiting for. It's the MTMV main card with your man, The Voice. As always, let's start off with some headlines and hot takes. The PFL women's lightweight field has been set. And I wish they did this when they announced the returning champs last week. And the finalists that were going to be competing. So I can give all my thoughts at once. But this was smart. They just kind of keep feeding us little by little. And keep their name in the press. One week, they announce their deal with ESPN. Next week, they give us round one. Then they come back with the locations. And now, they're putting a spotlight on the ladies. This is their money division. Because they have a bona fide star in the making here. They made fights for Kayla Harrison last year. And now, this whole division has been built around her. Plus, they're taking a page out of Strike Force's book by offering something that the other leagues don't have and that's a lightweight women's division at least I don't know of any so here's the field of course you have the golden girl Kayla Harrison UFC vet former strike force and invicted champ Sarah Kaufman tough vet Larissa Pacheco now Kaufman had an interview earlier uh, this week with Ariel and she said she's never fought this high. She fought at 145, starting off, then dropped down to 140, and now at 135, where most of her fights have been contested. And she said she feels really good when she's fighting at 145 because she won't have to really cut weight. It's going to be interesting to see if this is advantageous or not. Now, those three ladies that I just spoke of, Harrison, Arson, say Harrison, she doesn't have as much. Um, experience as Kaufman and uh, Pacheco they have the most experience Pacheco has about 12 13 fights and then Kaufman uh, ooh, yeah she's got plenty of fights most of the other ladies that are in the field there's only 8 unlike the other divisions that have uh, 16 fights there's only 8 in the women's lightweight division most of them they have they have experience akin to Harrison. Harrison's only had three professional fights now, outside of Morgan Fair and Roberta Samad, who both have five fights. No one else is really even close. This is a very international pool of fighters, even though it's only eight of them. You got Kayla and Morgan, who are from the U.S., Kaufman, and the 4 0 Bobby Joe Dalziel are Canadian. Pacheco and Samada from Brazil. You have 2-0 from Russia with love. Svetlana Kotova and New Zealand's Gina Fabian, who's 1-0. A number of these undefeated fighters are going to get some good experience in season two. And they're getting thrust in the spotlight as the women's lightweights open up season two of the PFL along with the welterweights on May 9th. Two weeks later, on May 23rd, the featherweights and the male lightweights tangle, leaving the big boys, the heavyweights and light heavyweights for the June 6th card. On Monday, March 18th, the 
PFL will announce the new challengers and returning contenders. Yet another smart move to keep their name going in the new cycle. Felony strong arm robbery and criminal mischief is what the Miami police charged Conor McGregor with. He was held at Turner Guilfoyle Night Correctional Center on $1,200, or I should say $12,500 bond until about 10 p.m. Eastern Time on Monday, which is the day that everything started, about 5 in the morning, coming out of the Live Nightclub, which is in the famous Fontainebleau Hotel there in Miami. Ah. <sighs> Connor got into some criminal activities so when I heard about this my first thought was is this a violation of his plea deal in Brooklyn and leave it up to Ariel Helwani to share the info that was on my mind Connor finished his public service so his case with Brooklyn is closed Uh, so this has nothing to do with that case no violation of the agreement is good news for Connor. However, I want to know how does him crashing the Bellator event, uh, active fight in Bellator, and then attacking um, different people that were officials at that event, the craziness that happened in Brooklyn, his part in the melee at UFC 229, which was only six months ago. How is all of this going to influence the outcome of now this uh, felony case? I don't know. Connor's side of the story is as follows, uh, according to a statement from his lawyer. Last evening, Conor McGregor was involved in a minor altercation over a cell phone that resulted in a call to law enforcement. Mr. McGregor appreciates the response of law enforcement and pledges his full cooperation. Now, on the other side, you have the uh, victim, uh, Ahmad Abdirazak. Don't know if I said that correctly or not, but hey, we're going to roll with it. And... Ahmed is from the UK, by the way. So he said Connor was coming out of the nightclub and they were standing waiting for the ballet uh, being uh, Ahmed and his party. When he saw Connor coming out, he pulled out his phone and began to film. So he kind of came over, went in for a handshake, then got possession of his phone, destroyed it, then picked it up, put it in his pocket and left with it which if you watch the video by TMZ you will see that um, you'll at least see Connor throwing the phone down on the ground you'll hear him um, uh, stepping on it and you see him step on it one time and then pick it up and put it in his back pocket <laughs> yeah just I, I don't get it I don't get it anyway um, the guy asked for his phone back as he's picking it up and taking it now, outside of the $1,000 price tag, Ahmed believes that his personal info on that device is lost, including pictures of his son, which backs up his reasoning for saying, can I have my phone back? Can I have my phone back? So now Ahmed has filed a civil case 
for $15,000 in damages. Yeah, that's uh that was pretty quick and yeah, kind of crazy. The court date for the criminal case is April 10th. The other case, I'm sure, will probably be settled out of court. All right, time to go to our prayer list for the weekend, man. Do we have a lengthy list this week? Starting off with newly crowned welterweight champ Kamaru Usman, who underwent surgery on Tuesday, March 12th in Philadelphia to repair a double hernia. So the statements he made a year ago about being 30% are making a lot of sense right now. And to think that he either damaged himself while fighting Tyron or had that going into the fight and dominated the way he did, man, that, that says an awful lot. But praying for him and a speedy recovery. Also praying for Tim the Dirty Bird means suffered more than defeat in his KO loss to Nico Price last week. In a quote from Means' IG, he said, I do my best to leave it all in the ring every time out so the fans get what they paid for. Wasn't my night. I have to get surgery for a broken tibia and ankle. Man. Um, all of that happened due to how Means fell after getting disconnected from reality by the hybrid. Now, we all know that Tony Ferguson marches to the beat of a different drummer. But recently, things have been stranger than normal, even for Ferguson. His wife called the authorities to their home multiple times concerning his well-being, and this behavior prompted her to file a restraining order against him. Now, as you go through the reports, you don't see anything that uh, shows that he was trying to harm himself or anyone else uh, or that he was a danger so you know nothing of that nature but more so to do with the way that he has been behaving she claims that he made threats toward her and displayed very disturbing behavior uh, I read the reports myself and it was everything from him splashing her with holy water saying that he thinks people live in the walls of their home that there's a microchip in his leg thinks i'm sure he believes that it was inserted after uh breaking it last year and uh having them put in in the titanium rods and whatever else uh for him to be healed and then going on later and then fighting when he said he really shouldn't have been but anyway his wife also said that he had been up for multiple days in a row and trashed that fireplace. He even called the police himself, claiming that his wife and son were missing. All of these things and more are in the police reports, which you can read yourself. Salute to MMA Junkie for getting them and making them available. When you're talking about people living in your walls and microchips being inserted in your body, a lot of that sounds like schizophrenia and mental health is nothing to play with as a matter of fact within the reports it says often that they keep trying to get him to go see a professional they keep trying to get him to go and he won't go El Kakui is one of my favorite fighters and it hurt my heart to see that headline it hurt even more to read what was going on so 
definitely praying for all of these men as they are enduring the the pains and things that go along not only with fighting but just with life up next some sweet science conversation in the old one two Want to stay up to date with Yankees baseball? Listen to Bronx Bombers Beat with me, Nate Shelton, every Monday, right here on MTMV. Sports fans rejoice. My team, my voice. What's good? It's your boy, Stephen Malcolm, and you are listening to MTMV Sports. Let's get it. Time to go between the ropes and step into the squared circle for the old one-two. On Friday, after the main card dropped, the zone dropped a bombshell, announcing a deal with Triple G. So you know we're getting a trilogy between him and Canelo, right? Yeah, that's got to happen. Well, what if Jacobs beats Canelo in May, though? Then Triple G and Jacobs can run it back. Triple G's got to get a tune-up, though. Who will it be? Bouandrage? Maybe they reach over to another zone promotion partner in Golden Boy and tap David Lemieux. I don't know who, but I can't wait to see it. Can't wait to see it. The deal is for six fights over three years, eight figures per fight, and Triple G's first fight will be in June. So the zone is bringing us Canelo and Jacobs in May. And then following up with Triple G in June. Triple G hopes to finish the six bouts that he signed for. But he doesn't know. He said, look, I have to see how I feel as things go on. He'd be 39 at the time that that sixth fight will be done. So, you know, he's getting up there in age and doesn't know how much longer he's going to be able to do it. But it's going to take it a fight at a time. He also secured two Triple G promotion cards a year for both 2020 and 2021. And that's really key for him. He wants to set the stage for the future because again, he's getting up there in age and he wants to successfully and smoothly move on into the next stage of his life, which he hopes is promoting fight cards. Along with that, the last few fights that he has, he wants them to be the most impactful that they can be. He said that not all the best fighters hold belts, and he wants the most interesting fights, regardless of titles or weight classes. So that opens things up for 168 pounds as well. The Bronze Bomber was like, okay, Fury, you aren't the only one who can talk to these streaming companies. So his team sat down with the zone on Tuesday. One of Wilder's many handlers, Shelly Finkel, confirmed that the team did indeed meet, said that nothing was resolved in that meeting internally, that uh, the team for Wilder will talk, and then they'll get back to the brass at the upstart service. But that the meeting went well. Now that could mean one of a number of things. One could be that that statement that he made, which Finkel gave that statement to ESPN, who is also courting Wilder 
whose mandatory WBC challenger Tyson Fury is already in their fold. This could be leverage against them, ESPN. Or it could be that since he made the quote to ESPN, he's using that as leverage against the zone. Because if Wilder were to sign with them, yeah, the fight that everyone has wanted to see in the heavyweight division for the past couple years would happen, which is AJ versus Wilder. And honestly, that will be bigger than Wilder Fury 2 because, oh man, oh my goodness. I, I can hardly contain myself just thinking about that fight. There's another angle though. This nebulous talk may mean that they're not interested in signing with either party and could be using this to sweeten a deal with Showtime who carried the Wilder Fury pay-per-view. Last, it could mean just what Finkel said. As time passes, we'll see which one of these theories pans out. When the fighters arrived at AT&T Stadium for the pay-per-view this Saturday, Mikey Garcia said that he was surprised to seemingly have more support than the Texas native Spence did. Said, I know I've competed in Texas multiple times, about three or four times, he said that he's fought for world championships there. But this is Spence's hometown. Like Spence talked about desiring to play at Cowboy Stadium, uh, playing football as a kid, and is looking forward to fighting in the stadium that houses his home team and also his favorite team, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, I'm not surprised. I mentioned last week that it'd be intriguing to see who had more support, which fan base really came out. This was a free event. You know, when the fighters arrive, that's free. So anyone can kind of come out and and talk and then do their thing. Let's see how split the crowd will be come fight night. One thing I can say about Spence is that he is consistent. To close out the Thursday press conference, he told Garcia, again, keep that same energy you have when you're talking to the media at the gym, when you're talking to me in person. Spence said afterwards, like, I, I don't like fake people. And I feel all this humble stuff he's talking is just that. It's, it's stuff. It's an act. Don't know whether that's true or not. One thing I do know is that Garcia is entering this event with a heavy heart. As two people close to him. Two people that trained alongside with him at his brother's gym were killed recently. And another one that trained with them uh, was a victim of gun violence. Actually, I take that back. One of the people did not train with him. He was just a, a supporter of him. He would come and work corners and do all kinds of stuff like that. Um, he died in a, a vehicle accident. He was an over-the-road truck driver and passed. All that kind of stuff can either fuel or hinder a fighter. Which of the two will happen? We'll find out on Saturday night. Now, speaking of death impacting people, Frida Foreman, former boxer and daughter of the heavyweight great George Foreman, died recently. And the coroner ruled the death, or I should say the medical examiner, 
uh, whichever one they have there in Texas, ruled the death as a suicide. She was 42 years old. The televised lineup for this weekend gives us three fights in three nights. On Friday, March 15th, coming from the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, on the zone, you got Tevin Farmer, who's ranked number three, taking on John O'Carroll. They'll fight for Farmer's IBF Junior Lightweight title. So that's set for 12 rounds. Also on that card, you have consensus great Katie Taylor versus Rose Volante for Taylor's IBF WBA and WBO lightweight titles whenever the ladies tangle for a championship as a 10 round affair on Saturday the aforementioned pay-per-view coming from Arlington Texas on Fox pay-per-view Errol Spence Jr. who's the number one welterweight in the world according to Ring Magazine and number 9 pound for pound takes on number 1 lightweight in the world according to Ring Magazine and number 7 pound for pound Mikey Garcia for Spence's IBF title it's a title on the line that's a 12 round affair and a rehydration clause is in effect the IBF tends to have those uh, so that means that a fighter can't come in more than 10 pounds over during the second weigh-in the day of the fight. Now, that night of the fight, because that usually happens around 8 a.m. or so. The night of the fight, Spence feels that he'll be around 160 pounds, while Garcia says he'll probably come in at his walk-around weight, which is 150 pounds. Spence was like, I don't want to be too heavy coming in. I don't want to carry a bunch of extra heavy weight. So I'm not trying to rehydrate and balloon way up. I want to stay trim and lean so that I'm as effective as possible. Also on this card, you have number two ranked super middleweight in the world, David Benavidez facing J. Leon Love in a 10 round fight. Number six, Bantamweight. Lewis Neary tangles with McJoe Arroyo and that's scheduled for 10 rounds you also have Chris the Nightmare Areola battling Jean-Pierre Augustin in a 10 round fight or less at heavyweight on Saturday on DirecTV from Puerto Rico Jason Valles faces Victor Tejaza in a 12-round junior lightweight bout. Told you, three nights, three fights. So on Sunday, coming from New York City on ESPN Plus, it's St. Patrick's Day. So with it being St. Patrick's Day, you got to have an Irish fighter fight, right? So what do they do? They get Mickey Conner, I'm sorry, Michael Conner, who looks to defend his WBO Intercontinental featherweight title versus Ruben Garcia Hernandez. Those intercontinental title fights, 10-round affairs. Also on that card, you have uh, Louis Colazzo taking on Samuel Vargas in a 10-round welterweight bout. Time for us to step out of the squared circle. And on the other side, we'll talk UFC London.
What's up, guys? John here, coming at you, representing Tinseltown, La La Land itself. That's right. It's LA Confidential, bringing you the newest Laker podcast, up-to-date game breakdown, up-to-date game analysis, what is scenarios, outlooks for the season, whatever it is. If it's Lakers, I'm bringing it on the MTMV Sports Podcast Network, trying to start your week off right every Monday with LA Confidential. Thank you. Come hang out. Yo, let's go old school long. Hit him with something acapella. <laughs> For sure. Cause I'm red and I'm bold. I'm red and I'm bold. I'm red and I'm bold. Listen, I'm red and I'm bold. Yo, yo. If you ready for some cheese news, you in the right place. It's Will Smith with Red and Bold. You can catch the show every Friday. It's my team and my voice. It's showtime. You made the right choice. Got the MVP of the whole league. Got the wide out with the most speed in 15. Can throw the ball from the 15 to the 15. Reside in the Abridge. Boy was born and raised in the streets of KC. M-O. Red and Bold. So let's go. My team's so phenomenal. It's Red and Bold. It's Red and Bold. The UFC makes its annual mid-March journey to the O2 Arena for UFC London. Kicking off the main card, you have 22-8 Jack the Hammer Marshman taking on 21-8 John Phillips. Sometimes Phillips uses the White Mike Tyson as his nickname. Sometimes he uses the Welsh Wrecking Machine. Don't know which one he will use, but I do know that this bout will be contested at middleweight. Both of these fighters have similar records. They're both from Wales. They're both riding two fight losing streaks into this matchup, and it's likely that the loser will be out of the UFC. Phillips? Yeah, he hasn't won since entering the UFC. And if not for being a European, uh, and this fight being in London, and the fact that he trains with Conor McGregor, he probably already will be gone. I'll say this about Phillips. He is an exciting fighter. Of the 29 fights that he's had, he's only been to the judges once in his career. He's got two submissions and 18 striking stoppages. Marshman brings the hammer too, though, with 14 KOs and five submissions. I'm sure the matchmaker slotted this fight first due to their high stoppage percentage and their homeland ties. At 16-3, Danny Hot Chocolate Roberts will take on 12-1 Claudio Hannibal Enrique Da Silva at Welterweight. Hannibal? Yeah, he's a beast. He's only lost once in his career and that was his very first fight 12 years ago since joining the UFC he's beat former strike force champ Nordin Taleb and co-main event contestant Leon Edwards only two of his victories were by decision most of the time he likes to get it done on the ground by submitting his foe and that makes sense as Nova Unyao fighters are known for their ground games. 
the fact that he also trains at London Shoot Fighters with MVP should give him a little bit of love from the O2 stands. But he is fighting Hot Chocolate, who hails from the UK. The Hard Knocks 365 fighter started off his UFC career strong, winning three of his first four and stopping two of them. Since then, he's had some mixed results, but he seems to be back on the winning track and hopes to make it three in a row versus Hannibal. Next fight up, you have 15-3 Nathaniel the Prospect Wood facing 7-2 Jose El Teco Quinones at Bantamweight. The Prospect is living up to his moniker. He's riding a seven-fight win streak into this match and has stopped every single one of those opponents, four of them by strikes and three by submission, including his last two, which have been in the UFC. The former Cage Warriors champ is fighting for the first time in his native land since defending said title nearly a year ago. Standing across from him is El Teco. The Alliance MMA rep trains beside former bantamweight champ Dominic Cruz and is carrying the banner for the team in this division with the leader being injured currently. The tough Latin American finalist lost his bid to be the ultimate fighter, but he hasn't lost a fight since then. He's only fought once a year, though, but in those four years, he's won all four fights, so he's bringing that streak into this matchup. Unlike Wood, he's only stopped one person, though, and that's within this current streak. He's only stopped three people in his career. So look for him to grind out or at least try to grind out a victory where Wood will be looking for a highlight real worthy finish in front of his hometown. Next fight up, you have 15-3 Vulcan No Time Uzdemir versus 10-0 Dominic the Devastator Reyes at light heavyweight and this is the Voices Marquee matchup. Why? Because you have a former title contender in Uzdemir, who before challenging for the title in Boston to kick off 2018, only had one loss on his record. Now, he has the first losing streak of his career. Vulcan got his nickname by wasting no time. And with an 80% finishing rate, it shows that that nickname is well-earned. He's also from Switzerland, so the play on time is fitting. Likewise, the undefeated Devastator has decimated his opposition, matching Vulcan's 80% stoppage rate. With all that firepower, the likelihood of an explosive fight is high. Rez has been quoted saying that he has his sights set on the cheating John Jones. To get there, he'll have to get past no time. You want to see fireworks? Tune in for this bout. With a win, Reyes puts himself among the surging contenders at 205, like Johnny Walker and Mahetta Santos. Vulcan can reinsert himself into the conversation as well if he has an impressive win. The co-main event pits 16-3 Leon Rocky Edwards 
versus 17, 3, and 1, Gunner Gunny Nelson. This is a welterweight bout. When this fight was first announced, I initially thought that this was going to be the Voices Marky matchup. Edwards has been impressive, winning his last six and beating the likes of Bam Bam Barbarina, giving Vincente Luque his only loss since 2015 and helping Cowboy Cerrone go back to lightweight by beating him. He lobbied to be in the main event versus Till after his fight with Cowboy, but instead he got this main co-main event slot. That may give him a little bit of an edge due to the perceived slight. Someone who has looked phenomenal in the past, though, is Team Molière and SVG Ireland product, Gunnar Nelson. The Iceland native was on a tear at one point and headlined a car in 2014 where his hype train was derailed by Rick Stewart. Since then, every time he's built up some momentum, He's run into someone who causes him to have to reset. Will that be the case versus Edwards? Every one of the fights that Gunny has had and been victorious in within the UFC have been by submission. So if I were Edwards, I would keep this on my feet. Rocky's well-rounded. And he said to MMA Junkie that he's not concerned about this fight going to the ground with Nelson. He said that he was too focused on that when he fought Kamaru Usman and he was so focused on defending it that he never got his offense going and he doesn't want to make that mistake again. In the main event of the evening, 17-1-1, Darren the Gorilla Till faces 32-13, and Jorge Gamebred Masvidal at welterweight. Gamebred has been fairly inactive as his last fight was in November 2017. And his last win was even further back than that in January of 2017. Now, he was on a reality show for over three months in 2018. But that left about nine months where he could have fought. And he wanted to fight. Uh, Nate Diaz when Dustin Poirier fell out of the fight that they were supposed to have in uh, New York in November but that didn't materialize being on that reality show helped Masvidal said, he said that it really helped him learn himself because he was cut off from society, no TV, no phones none of uh, those kinds of trappings and it really gave him time to sit and think and be alone with himself, not be influenced by the media. That caused him to change his whole approach to life. He was like, look, I got a phone so my kids can get to me and so my manager can get to me. But outside of that, I don't need anything. He said that having that time off to rest and rehab was really, really good for him. Because at 34 years of age, he's been fighting since he was 18 years old. How will he look after such a long layoff, though? I don't know. The Cuban street fighter who came up in the same Miami circuit as Kimbo Slice is not phased by wins and losses. But he does want to get back on the winning track 
and get a crack at the title. Ben Askren is a guest fighter in London this week. And he's been really vocal about facing the winner of this matchup between Till and Masvidal. Game Bread said that Funky really should go back and fight Lala again. He was like, as a fighter, I would not and could not take a win where my opponent gave a thumbs up in the submission. After I went back and watched and saw him give a thumbs up, it's like, no, no, I would have to run that one back. I found it interesting because he not only talked about Funky, but he talked about a lot of fighters online and talking big online. But when they get in your face, then they don't say anything. And when a contract comes, then all of a sudden they get amnesia. I found that real, real interesting, though, because his boy, like his best friend, is one of the biggest internet thugs out there, Kobe Covington. So it's like you you actually kind of sound like you're talking about your boy, but either way it goes, he's got a fight against Till, and he's got to win that fight as he's on a two-fight losing streak. And Till is the favorite to win this fight, according to the odds makers, and seeing that historically he has been the bigger man. I mean, number one, he is taller than uh, Gamebred is, but also historically he has been the one that physically has been thicker and bigger than his opponents and he punches harder uh, has many more violent knockouts on his record than Gamebred does Till has stopped 12 of the 17 people that he has defeated and he said that he was going to go to 185 after losing to Tyron Woodley, even before then, he talked about being a three-weight champion. He wanted a welterweight belt, middleweight belt, and talked about winning a title at 205 as well. So, again, historically, he has been the bigger man. He's looked a little uh, thinner and trimmer in this camp. He said that his fight against Woodley, the big fight, was making weight because he had missed weight so many times before that he had to be 170 not 171 but 170 for that fight and when he made it he felt like i'm done i'm good i made the weight and beating him was a breeze and just kind of took his mind off of things of his seven ufc appearances this fight will make his fourth straight main event and Tiller's looking to make it a short night and set a goal of using his aggression to finish it in the first round. He's prepared to go all five, but he wants to get it done in round one. Till said that he's not looking forward to anything but the fight night. And he's not looking past it either. All of his focus is on March 16th. Now, he thinks that Kobe doesn't want that smoke with Usman. And if the UFC doesn't grant a rematch to Woodley, which he doesn't think will happen either, he believes that with a win, being ranked number three, that he will be next up for a title shot. We won't know until the pin drops, the cage door locks, the thumbs go up, and they start the clock. Up next, the official results. Mike check one two one two. It's your man, 
J-Kills representing my team, my voice, and I'm the host of the number one sports show on the planet, Star Talk, where we talk everything about your team, America's team, the Dallas Cowboys, every Saturday night right here on Anchor, my team, my voice. Yo, 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 this your boy E-Hud, God's MC, and you're listening to MTMV Sports. Keep it locked. Peace. Episode 82 of the MTMV main card. And if the Lord says the same, I'll be back at it again next week. If you're looking for some regional action, Titan has a card on Friday on Fight Pass. EFC has something on the zone on Saturday morning. And Pancrase will have something on Fight Pass on Sunday morning. If you like what you hear, tell a friend about MTMV Sports. We are rapidly approaching a hundred thousand listens and we'd love your help in getting there you can subscribe on your favorite audio platform and review us there retweet it send it uh share it via facebook however you get down as far as social media is concerned and again we're on all your favorite platforms so Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Spreaker, TuneIn Radio, Anchor.fm, and a number of other platforms. You want to be on a podcast? You can leave a message via Anchor.fm or call the MTMV Sports Sideline. That number is 470-228-MTMV. Tickets are still on the line for Bellator 220, and your message may get you in the door of the SAP Center for Fitch versus McDonald. On that card, friend of the podcast, undefeated Bellator fighter, Cass Bell will be looking to go 3-0. You can check out my interview with him on Round 2 with The Voice, which is available everywhere you listen to podcasts. Sports fans rejoice! My team, my voice, Until next time, it's your man, The Voice, host of the MTMV main card, and I'm sounding off.